homeschool friends. Welcome to the Homeschool High School Podcast. I am Kim, and I am here today with Vicki and just us two. Yeah, our, our friend yeah. Sabrina couldn't make it today, so she's with us in spirit, but you're not going to hear her lovely voice very much. Yeah, yeah, we love it when she does the intro because she has such a professional voice, so yeah, we miss her presence anyway. Oh, always. So, so right now, though, you and I have been talking about having this conversation on the podcast for a while, and we never had the opportunity to connect about it. So today turned out to be a great day because you just read an article that rekindled uh, the conversation. So get us started. We, we wanted to talk about training our teens to talk to people graciously who have disabilities. So tell us about the article you, you were reading today. Will do. And our current seeing eye trainee, Curtis, just must have heard us talking because he just walked into the room. Oh, how old is Curtis now? Curtis is 10 months old. Oh. Um, it's crazy. He's been with us for about eight months now. And uh, if all goes well, he will go on to be a seeing eye dog. So um, the seeing eye is the oldest and course we're a little biased but we always say the oldest and the best guide dog school in america but uh, there's lots of good ones obviously how many seeing eye puppies have you guys trained in your house um he is number five for us mm-hmm. um number three has gone on to work with a retired gentleman in georgia and she is Aww. she is actually his sixth guide dog um, and he actually worked in um I don't know exactly what, but he did, and now Curtis is going to take a nap. Um, <laughs> yeah, he actually worked when he was, uh, before he retired, he was working in some sort of capacity, working where his job actually supported folks who were visually impaired and blind, I'm trying to remember what type of job, but I can't. But anyway, and we have, um, so she was our number three. We had two dogs that we raised quite some time ago. Um, and uh, they were wonderful, but they were not very well. They weren't an ideal match for a working dog as a guide dog. Uh-huh. So they went on to other great things. Mm-hmm. So then our number three went on and she's working. And our number four was um, completely finished with his in-home experience and was back up at the seeing eye and was close to finishing his mm-hmm. training when all of the uh, COVID pandemic stuff hit. Oh, and seeing I just like a lot of other places needed to kind of regroup. And so Mm -hmm. they sent over 200 dogs came back to their puppy raisers Mm. or other folks who fostered them again. So we had him back at the bonus time for another five months or so. And he is now back up at the seeing eye and we hear he's doing well. And hopefully maybe by Christmas time, he will be uh, placed and have his forever person. And, uh, And then Curtis is number five. So, yeah, yeah, it's quite quite an adventure. You always really want them to pass. But, of course, at some point, we would love to have the opportunity to keep one. Yeah. And if they if they don't make it, we do get the option to keep them if they are not fit to be a good working dog. Yeah. And, you know, there's, there's not one right way to be a dog. <laughs> That's right. The ones who don't make it to seeing eye service. They go on to make a family very happy doing other things. So Absolutely right. And sometimes even just a different kind of service because a lot of people think like, oh, you know, is it fair to the dog? And if the dog doesn't want to work as a working dog, they are not ever expected to. So that's kind of neat. But anyway, we weren't really going to talk about dogs, but it was a good it was a good aside there. Um, yeah. Certainly relevant, more relevant than I often am, right? Um, <laughs> 
But yeah, so as as a puppy raiser for the Seeing Eye, one of the cool things I get is I get the Seeing Eye magazine um, every quarter, and I just always learn something new, and it's just very fascinating to me, the whole world of the Seeing Eye. And so just today, I was reading an article, um, and you know, we, we've all, people that are sighted, um, you can see what six feet is, and we don't, we're not always perfect at it, but we at least noticed that oh, that person's probably closer than six feet to me. I could take a couple steps to my left or hang back a little bit. Yeah. Um, and there was a cute little graphic and it said, guide dogs don't understand social distancing. Aww. So please help keep a safe distance. Aww. And uh, it was it's a current topic, but really it's an always topic. And one of the things that um, that either if you're just an individual human by yourself or if you're a human who happens to be out walking your pet, and you see a guide dog team, let that guy, that guide dog is working. Typically, if the person is holding onto the handle of the harness, mm-hmm. um, or if the dog is wearing a harness at all, typically that dog is working. So it's best to give that person at least a six foot span, not just you, but if you have your dog, make sure your dog isn't getting any closer to them or their dog than six feet, because you don't want to distract the working dog. Some Most of them have laser-like focus and they're really good, but just like we're human, they are canine and they are. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it's also, it's fine and even recommended to actually address the person and say, hey, I'm here with my dog. I'm going to make sure that my dog doesn't interfere with your dog and interfere with your work. And you can even say, oh, what a beautiful dog or whatever, but don't like call the dog by name or do anything you know, yourself to distract the dog yeah. and make sure you keep your dog on, on a leash and under control. One of the things that I've seen a couple places I saw in this cute little infographic thing, but I also heard recently in a podcast is that some of the, some of my blind acquaintances or folks I get to read about have remarked about people just kind of grabbing their arm and very well-meaning people wanting to grab their arm and just kind of drag them along wherever, yeah. you know, help them across the street when they don't need yeah. help to cross the street yeah. or what have you. And, and so in trying to help are actually being more harmful than helpful. So it's just always a, a good general rule of thumb, not just with somebody who may have sight issues, but somebody who you might perceive might have any kind of needs rather than just inserting yourself and helping just say, oh, hi, I'm so-and-so. Can I give you a hand? Yeah. Can I help? Yeah. How can I help? Yeah. And letting them tell you what they need if they want anything. Or just say, yeah. hi, I'm so-and-so. Nice to meet you. <laughs> so what, what we were hoping to do was to talk about how we talk to our teens about things like this. Because obviously, for those of us who are sighted, or, you know, aren't in a wheelchair or don't have, you know, some other visible disability, we often have a good heart about things, but don't know what to do. Mm-hmm. And teenagers are even more self-conscious about that. So, you know, it's obvious because they had to write an article about it in the seeing eye. That's right. <laughs> so we, we, we thought if we talk to teens at some point as part of your health class or just social skills class, you know, just sit down and talk to teens about how to talk to people who are different. Mm-hmm. You know, a, a person with a visible disability is visibly different than many teens. And so sometimes teens, because they feel uncomfortable anyway, will just kind of avoid, clam up, oh, yeah. you know, try to turn around and go, because they don't want to do the wrong thing. It's not because they want to be cruel. 
they're just afraid of doing the wrong thing. Right, and we know we shouldn't stare. So the opposite of, if I know that's bad, then kind of going away and not looking at all must be good. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so the most important thing we can do for our teens is to have a conversation about how you talk to people who have a difference of any kind. So one of the best things you can do for your teens is to talk to them ahead of time as part of your educational process on the skills of talking to people who are different. Absolutely. So, so, so some of start, the, go ahead. No, oh, you could go right ahead. <laughs> <laughs> can you tell we can't see each other? We're recording oh. remotely and so we don't have those visual cues. You know, this is so hard because, you know, the three of us, you and Sabrina and I, have been together for so many years but we've been visible to each other. And, and so we sync together so just naturally after all those years, we, we can read each other's nonverbals, but there's no nonverbals here. That's so right. Anyway. So yeah. first thing is, is you don't want to gawk. Oh, absolutely. So that kind of staring. Right. But when you're going to talk to somebody who is different, you want to look at them when you talk. Absolutely. Because you're addressing an individual even though they're an individual that is different than you, they're still a person. And so just like you like to be looked at when you are being talked to, you know, not over to the side, not the person next to you, you know, like, you know, people who have disabilities, unless they're deaf, can't hear you. So yeah, all right. you talk to them. Right. Just think about greeting them warmly. And you, if you pay attention, you can hear warmth in the tone of your voice as well as if you are deaf, you could see it in some in someone's face, even if you couldn't hear the words. So yeah, be your wonderful you. Yes, yeah, and you know, younger children will very often want to ask a person with disabilities about the disability. Mm -hmm. And you know, especially like you think if they're going to co-op and there's a little one in a wheelchair or walking with braces or has a guide dog, very often the, the, the younger ones will want to ask about that. And if they ask politely, yep. not in a what's wrong with you, but ask politely, so tell me about you. Mm -hmm. Then the other person is very likely to feel good to somebody's interested in them in a, in a kind way. Yeah, like you can even say, wow, that chair is really cool. I've never seen anything like that. Tell me, how does that help you? Mm -hmm. You know, yeah. And it, I mean, you can you can also just be really honest. You can say to the person, "Hey, could I ask you a couple of questions? Would that be okay?" And give them the option to say, uh, "I'm in a hurry. No, not you know, or I don't really feel like talking about it right now." But thank you for asking. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so you train them. Don't say what's wrong with you, mm -hmm. but ask something that's politely curious yeah. if they want to, or they cannot even address it. So I know yeah. I have talked to um, young people who are in a wheelchair for one reason or the other, and they would just as soon be talked to as if they're not in a wheelchair. You know, like you don't talk over their heads, look at them. Yep. If you're going outside for a walk, say you want to go on a walk with me, mm -hmm. like they want to use normal vocabulary because they're normal people yeah they want to go to the movies with me yes they want to go to the movies with yeah me. yeah i've noticed that with with my friend who's blind he he says oh let me see that and i remember at one point i thought oh wow like i hadn't thought about 
you know, because we just use see as let me have that almost as much as like visibly right. see it. Um, and yeah, and he does the same thing. And he's he's like, don't get so hung up over it. You know, don't get so make your best effort to be respectful, but also don't don't let it paralyze you. One of the things that, that I have noticed with uh, young people who have any kind of difference is they just want to be included. And teenagers are at the age where they can be more inclusive. You know, like young people, the grown-ups kind of, especially in homeschooling, we make the groups. So, you know, we're making the co-op and we're making group classes. So we make the events happen. Teenagers can do more of their own, you know, social events. And so if there is a young person who has a disability in the, the general group, say there's, you know, group classes or, you know, our kids had opportunities to be in a choir with, you know, 40 other kids and things like that. So they had a big pool to, to, to draw from. Mm -hmm. And if there was a kid who had some disabilities to, to make a point of including that kid in the group, because they're people too. Oh, absolutely. You know, if they're at co-op and they're having lunch break, invite the kid to come over. Just And you would do that with any new kid, right? Yep. And so a, a kid with disabilities has sometimes already been rejected or ignored. Mm -hmm. And so the act of bringing them in, you know, creating a welcoming atmosphere you know, have lunch with us. Let's let's go for a walk. Let's let's you know go get some food when COVID's finally passed. And they yeah. But these are all things, especially for teens, because teens feel uncomfortable already with themselves. So when they're adding new people into a group, they're afraid of doing the wrong thing. So if you do some practicing ahead of time, you know, I work with when I'm working with young people who are gaining skills. We actually do some playing a role like, okay, you're going to play the role of the welcoming person. Uh -huh. So when you see a new person, you may feel awkward, but put on your role of, okay, I'm the role of being the welcoming person. So I'm going up to the person with a disability. I'm introducing myself and I'm inviting them over. Yep. That's such a Christ-like way to handle things. But teens have a hard time doing that unless you train them how to do that. Yeah, and that practice of just doing it a few times. Sometimes for some people, the practicing it in a non-real situation is harder than the actual doing it. But certainly practicing it, whether it is hard or easy for you to practice, makes the actually doing it easier and easier. And it just makes it more natural and it makes it seem less scripted. Like some some folks don't like the idea of, oh, I don't want to, you know, I don't want it to feel like a scripted thing, like it's a structured thing but the reality is you're just sort of trying on a new behavior yeah just like anything else that we do and it makes it easier and more natural when you do it for real like think about when the first time you learned to write your name or any other you know new behavior well and and meeting new people mm -hmm. is the same whether a new person has a disability or a difference yep or somebody that's the same meeting new people is the same and so I, I work with teens, I work with grownups on this, mm. is when you have to go do something where there's going to be new people, have five questions that you can ask. Mm. To, and that, that way you've got a reserve, you know, in case, yeah, right. you know, you can't figure out the right question. How'd y'all find this co-op? Or that sounds 
really weird, but you know, like, yeah, yeah. You know, what, what grade are you in? You know, how many siblings have you got? What's your favorite subject? And, and this sounds really cheesy, but they're not in a new situation. Like if you can think of when you were the newbie in any kind of group, if somebody came over and said, hi, how'd you find us? Or hi, you know, what's your name? Somebody just walking over and saying something is kind of revolutionary. It is, right. It's comforting. It, it, it breaks the ice. <laughs> yeah. Even if a person looks different, they're still a person. And the same questions that they would ask any person will work with a person if they're blind or if they are in a chair. Um, you know, if there are, are hearing impaired, you may need to find out how to best communicate with them. Mm-hmm. If they have like a cochlear device, you may mm-hmm. need to enunciate. But that's, you know, if you ask, you yeah. know, how, how can we best talk? It's okay to ask. Absolutely. And just by making eye contact and acknowledging them as a human and as a, as a worthy person because God made them. Mm-hmm. then you've made their life better and your life better too, because this is what Christ would do. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because you've worked with so many kids over the years and with seeing eye, can you think of other things that you've run across that would be helpful to teens? Let me think. I should be able to. Um, well, one of the cool things that I've been discovering is just the wealth of different adaptive devices. Like I think we all know that sometimes people use a wheelchair or sometimes they might use a dog or a cane if they can't see. But like one of my students has hearing difficulty and she has a hearing aid that she can wear or two hearing aids, I guess. Uh, but she also has this really cool thing and it's an FM transmitter. And so I always call it my soap on a rope. So for older <laughs> people who know what soap on a rope is, you'll get it. But it's sort of like wearing a, a necklace. And then it has a little cord and that has a little microphone on the end. And I just wear the thing around my neck and clip the cord somewhere, you know, close up on my shirt or my collar or whatever. Um, And then it broadcasts my voice through that microphone wirelessly right into her hearing aid and right into her ear. And it is just the coolest thing. How marvelous. Isn't it fun? But it's really interesting. So like as a teacher, when she first came to us and said, you know, this is what I have and this is how I use it. Some of the teachers were, um, they totally wanted to help her. It wasn't that they weren't willing, but they were uncomfortable figuring out how to work with this new device. It was intimidating, Uh I think, to them. Yeah, some of her other teachers were a little intimidated by the device and maybe thought that it was going to, you know, kind of modify the way they teach because they were going to be so aware of this thing around their neck. And one thing is that we've discovered is you totally forget it's there. Yeah. You know, it's like anything else. And just by being not only willing, but being very willing and eager, I guess, to use something Mm -hmm. that would help her do a better job in school and help her just kind of be on the, on the same playing field as the rest of us all the time. She and I have this really special relationship. She's texting me all summer long telling me what she's been doing on vacation. And she texted me the other day saying how much she can't wait to get back to school and, you know, think about hearing impairments and mask wearing. Uh, And she's been talking about, you know, she's going to wear a mask and she's 
understands that other people are going to wear, wear a mask and that makes her feel better that others are going to wear a mask. And she's just going to sit closer up in the front in the room. So sometimes it's something that I can do to help her and sometimes it's something she can do to help herself. Yeah. And our big thing is we just made the expectation in the beginning that we ask one another and we talk about it. And so she says, oh, you know, Mrs. Smythe, can you talk a little clearer? Can you slow down sometimes? Huh? Sometimes I talk too fast. And she'll just remind me to, to slow down a little bit. So that's been a real interesting thing. I've also learned that in uh, movie theaters, probably a lot of us are aware that a lot of places have devices to magnify the volume yeah. for folks who have hearing issues. But there's also a really cool technology. I'm not sure if it's the right word. But from my Seeing Eye magazine, again, like I said, I learned so much from this magazine. I heard about a woman who's a Seeing Eye graduate and has a Seeing Eye dog. Um, who is a podcaster, and um, actually, I'll give her I'll give her podcast a shout out. I think I can find the name of it. Yeah. And she was on another podcast with these two other blind guys, and they usually I think have a third guy on their podcast. And so they were just talking about. They, it was a really good episode. Um, it's episode forty nine, if you want, and it's called AT, like assistive technology AT or Appalachian Trail, if you want. <laughs> banter and the host is Colleen Connor and she's the host of a podcast called Blind Inspiration Cast and so they got together and they did just like we sometimes interview some of our fellow podcasters Mm -hmm. and it was just a fabulous episode as a matter of fact I think I have a few more minutes to listen to in it and it's made me decide to follow both of their podcasts but what they were talking about is there's a, a, um, a cool sort of technology and it goes by a bunch of different names still, which is part of one of their challenges with it. But we're sort of like where, where I might volunteer and I might read a book onto, you know, especially back in the old days when there weren't as many audio books, mm-hmm. um, you could get a book, you know, read on, onto a, an audio tape yeah. or what have you. Yeah. Um, so they actually have devices that go along. So if I go to a movie theater, and I have vision issues, I can go, and if, you know, they, not every movie theater has this, but you can ask for it, and usually they'll advertise that they have it, and you go up to the thing, and you get your ticket, and then you say, oh, and I'd like the, you know, whatever it's called device, I'm gonna have to look it up so we can put it in the show notes, and you go up, and just like they might give you a headset that would uh, amplify the sound, they'll give you a headset and it has a visual description of what's going on on the screen. So you can still hear all the dialogue, uh-huh. but you also, you know, like for instance, if you're watching a movie and you see, you know, a car is driving through a neighborhood and, you know, they're chasing someone and, you know, whatever, there could be a lot of stuff going on on the screen that you would miss if you didn't see it. And so it's verbally filling in all the visual details. And it's a great technology and it's really cool. But the woman on the Colleen talked about how she went to a theater that advertised that they had it and she asked for it and they handed her a headset and she's like, I can hear just fine. I'm not deaf. I need the, you know, and it was just, they were just handing her the, the, the amplify one, not, yeah. the, not yeah. the one. So sometimes, you know, we have good intentions and maybe the theater knew about it, but maybe they didn't train their staff or what have you. Right. Uh, but there's all kinds of cool stuff out there. So there's so much for us to learn and ways that we can help each other. Well, and I think, I think the way you described, you know, those, those of us 
who don't have to worry about assistive technology Mm -hmm. um, may feel awkward if we're asked to help out by using it, like the teachers had to get adjusted to that. But what we can train our kids and our own souls on doing is looking at other human beings as valuable in God's eyes and with that God's eyes of compassion. Oh, amen, right? If God looks at us with compassion, then we should model the same air of compassion about us as we look at other human beings. So that's a, it was a good story about, you know, the teachers had to learn that because they weren't prepared ahead of time. Mm-hmm. And this is a good time in, in the history of the world to teach our teens, yep. you know, the compassion skills of looking at all people as God's children. Absolutely, right. To try to like, just think that we are all created in his image. So you are as valuable to him as I am, as is the next person, as is the next person and the next person and the next person. We should put some links to different resources that you can have conversations with your teens. So the, those podcasts that you were listening to um, on Facebook, I know a lot of teens are not on Facebook anymore, but if you get them connected with on Facebook, um, it's a group called Jason's Connection. And they have articles and resources that they post every day on different kinds of disabilities and what's going on in the world of disability so that young people can read those articles and get a feel for what's happening and and to extend their ability to understand and perspective take. So it's a, I'll put links to that group also. So, and then uh, folks also know some resources that we can share with our teens and with each other. We should do that. I know our friend Peggy Ployhar at SPED Homeschool has a bunch of resources too. Yeah. And it's really as we need to talk about things. Things don't go away because we don't talk, but we give our kids instead compassion skills and empowerment when we talk about the uncomfortable things and give them tools for, for dealing with that. Absolutely. So we ought to wrap it up, shall we? Yeah. 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 Well, Thank you so much for joining us today. We hope that you found this helpful and thought-provoking. If you have thoughts, please, by all means, share them with us, either at the Homeschool High School podcast or on our Facebook page or anywhere else that you can find Seven Sisters Homeschool. And we would love it if this was helpful to you. Uh, If you could share, rate us, and review us on iTunes to help other homeschoolers find us. That's a great way to uh, make connections or certainly just tell a couple of friends. And if you have ideas for topics you'd love to hear us chat about or even something that you'd like to teach us about that we could then do a podcast about, we're always looking for good ideas. But so for right now, you probably have something to get back to. So we're just going to let you go. We're going to say thanks so much for joining us here at Seven Sisters and the Homeschool High School Podcast brought to you by the Ultimate Podcast Network. the social distance for the dog like you said they shouldn't stare oh do you want to pause for a second i'm so sorry my actual phone is ringing let me go hang it up (laughs) it'll stop by the time i get to it Uh i'm so sorry vicky and seth (laughs) and you know what he's gonna do he's gonna pull that out and and put put it in the bloopers (laughs) 
So there you that, go. Those are as much fun as the episodes. Oh, well, maybe more, right? <laughs> <laughs> or hopefully not, anyway. Yeah. Okay. okay so let's, uh, let's back check. Shall we?